Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, the European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And what a great episode we have today. I'm very happy to welcome to the podcast Marcia Schulz. Marcia is a political scientist and a researcher at Telder Stitching, the classical liberal think tank associated with the Dutch party VVD. Marcia is here to talk about the main thesis of the book, A Free Market for All, the translation to English from the original and, pardon my Dutch, Ein Markt von uns allemal, I hope I said that correctly, with the support of the European Liberal Forum. This book also has, as authors, Rolf Salomons and Ruben and Egerbrink. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you about the Future of Europe journal, issue number two, that is already available at the ELF website, and that deals with inflation. But now, with no further ado, I bring you Marcia Schultz. I'm here with Marcia Schultz. Marcia, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's great to have you here. And we will be talking about the book at A Free Market for All, The Liberal Future of the Free Market in Europe, a publication that I had the pleasure to read already. It's very uh, well-written and very, to the point, very precise. Uh, so a very important book for anyone to have that is interested in this area. But before we get into the book, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Tell us the path taken to get to this point that we're now talking on the podcast. Yes, thank you so much. Um, well, my name, as you said, is Maarten Schult. I am from the Netherlands. I'm 29 years old. Uh, I grew up more in the east part of the Netherlands. And then I uh, went to study political science in Leiden, which is more in the west of the Netherlands. And uh, now, currently, I live in The Hague, or Den Haag, as we say in Dutch. And uh, my first real job after my studies was, was actually as a, as a journalist for a news weekly. Uh, it's a magazine known by the name of Elsevier Weekblad, not to be confused with the academic publisher, but it's a, it's Elsevier Weekblad, it's a little bit like, little bit like The Economist, but then in Dutch, <laughs> I would say. Uh, I, I worked there for two years and I mostly wrote on economic affairs. So that was actually very good prep for this uh, for this book. And anyway, after these two years, I switched uh, to the Teller Stichting, which is a liberal think tank, or you could say a classical liberal think tank that is affiliated uh, to the VVD political party in Netherlands. And uh, I work there as a researcher, and we publish lots of stuff, actually, uh, including books, <laughs> such as this one. The initiative for this book, uh, Free Market for All, it came from the Telder Stichting. And the two other authors that I, that I have to mention and that work with me on this book, uh, one is uh, Rulof Salomons. He is a professor in economics in Groningen. And uh, Ruben Oude-Engbrink, and he was at the time actually a master student in uh, PPE, so uh, I think that's philosophy, politics and economics. And he also did a master's in finance. Uh, currently, he is now a, uh, he's a consultant. Uh, but they do not directly work for the Telder Stichting. So I'm really the person from the Telder Stichting. They were a bit more uh, experts from the outside, let's say. Although Rulof is now actually in our board uh, of the Telder Stichting. So uh, that's very nice. And basically what I can say is as, as the Telder Stichting, we, we wanted to write this book because... 
we felt there was a lot of uh, criticism on the market economy and uh, we felt the need to to let's say re we explain uh, the positive qualities of the, the market economy and also explain why we favor it as, as liberals, while at the same time not shying away from some relevant critiques. And personally, I felt like we left a debate about how we could make some changes to the economic system a bit too much to the, to the left uh, of the political spectrum. Um, and we really tried to come up with some liberal solutions when it comes to some of our challenges uh, come, that might come with the market economy. And this led actually to first a Dutch publication uh, by the title Unmarked for ons allemaal. But I felt that the topics that were covered in that book were definitely also relevant on not only on a national level, but also European, perhaps international, but that was the reason for me to yeah, get into a project with the European Liberal Forum and um, they supported the, the translation, uh, the English version of the book, which now goes by the name uh, Free Market for All. And uh, last Friday, I mean, uh, when we're recording, <laughs> considering last Friday, we had a really nice book launch event in Brussels with, with Elf with a great keynote speaker, Tom Palmer, and a great panel as well, including um, the Belgian State Secretary for the Budget, uh, Eva de Bleker, and former Foreign Affairs Minister of Belgium, uh, and former EU Commissioner for Trade, Karel de Gucht. So we were really uh, honored with, uh, with, with those people coming. We were really happy to celebrate, actually, the book this time around, because for the Dutch version, we... I mean, it was really in the, in the midst of the COVID pandemic, so we couldn't really do events or celebrate it properly but now we could so that was very nice indeed and once this podcast goes live and i'm going to put on the show notes some of the pictures of that event in particular it was follow i could follow it on twitter and also later on much i'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about other works inside tell that you think will be interesting for our listeners but let's get into the book right now um you make effort with your colleagues, and thank you for mentioning uh, mentioning both of them. That, f for the sake of clarity, to define some several some important concepts, and for our listeners that later on will grab these publications and read it, let's start with that because it also opens uh, avenues here in our conversation. So there's three in particular that you go into detail: capitalism free market and liberalism. Why did you thought, why did the team of this book thought that it would be interesting to make a refresh of these concepts? Well, first of all, I think it's just good for the, for the reader to define it because you can, these are concepts that you can, of course, there are m multiple definitions of those concepts and it's just more for the sake of clarity. I think also for the reader it's like what do we mean by them when we use them so that there is there isn't so much confusion i hope because uh, a couple of days ago i spoke about our book uh, with ruben for the yale which is the, um, let's say a youth liberal youth political organization and we didn't define in the conversation the term free market <laughs> and as I had a discussion with a girl, she had a different understanding of what I meant with free market. And then I was like, oh, well, well, it's great that I defined it in the book for the reader. And that 
it showed me that it was necessary because otherwise confusion can can arise. But let me start then with some some definitions that we use in the book. Uh, and I would like to start with liberalism because that is the most important one to me as a liberal. Well, liberalism as as an ideology or a philosophy or a political movement it comes in in many forms. But I would say that a characteristic of each form is uh, that the individual, that the organization of society revolves around the freedom of the individual. And in addition to that, I would say that liberal philosophy assigns an intrinsic value to the uh, to the individual. So liberals take the individual as a starting point for their thinking and acting, whereby generally speaking, they see individual freedom as the most important goal. But it's also important to say that one's freedom is constrained by what is known as the harm principle from John Stuart Mill. So uh, an individual can pursue their goals and wishes as long as that does not uh, harm the other. And also maybe a quick remark, uh, if, if we talk about debate on climate, the harm principle is important to that, but we can maybe discuss later. Then uh, the free market can be regarded, I would say, in the most original sense of the world as a, a natural phenomenon where people interact and, and trade freely. And today it's the market is char uh, characterized by the exchange of goods and services by individuals or collectives, with money being the usual intermediary, which leads to establishment of prices. Mm -hmm. And in a free market, individuals make the most important decisions regarding production, distribution and consumption. Maybe just for clarity, the free market as it's implemented in many Western democracies, it's not a laissez-faire, which I say it's sometimes mechanism as sometimes is believed. When we refer to the to free market, it is more of a mechanism wherein the individual can enter into uh, voluntary transactions with within certain legal limits and rules. So, so that is how we see the free market. It's not like total anarchy, let's say. <laughs> hopefully so. And then, um, hopefully so. And then, uh, capitalism uh, we define as an economic system in which the emphasis lies on private property. Capitalism being characterized by the following factors: the means of production are privately owned. Uh, labor is the legal property of the individual and markets serve as a mechanism for dividing production and consumption. So it stands in contrast to socialism where property and labor are seen as collective goods and means of production are under so social control, uh, which in practice often, often comes down to government control. However, we do not really wish to use the term capitalism uh, too much uh, and we prefer actually to use the word free market. After this primer on political science, which is always welcome here in our podcast, I do have a critique uh, just to start. So <laughs> I thought that I would ask Marsha to come mm -hmm. to the podcast and then start picking on her so that I can, we, can, we can be friends right from the beginning. There is a moment in page 21, yeah. at least from the copy that I have, that you go into exactly that extreme laissez-faire not mm -hmm. anarchy true but the kind of liberalism that it's with no regulations with no government control which is which is 
commonly known now as neoliberalism. Even if we don't, we're not going to go into the details of the history of the word because it's it's highly complex. But Marsha, I'm telling you that because I'm I live in a, a country where we had mm -hmm. severe austerity measures, and those austerity measures were presented as neoliberalism. Coming, of course, from the Chicago School of Thought and, and also from the Vienna School of Thought. But you go into the explanation that we are not inclined to adopt this confusing and negatively charged term, which is neoliberalism. Can you get a little bit into that? Because one of the th things that I come across, and mm -hmm. maybe our listeners experience that also, it's that to say, well, I'm a liberal then immediately people are like, oh, you're a neoliberal. And then you go into the big explanation of, no, it's not the same thing. There's differences and so on and so forth. So why this decision in particular of not inclined to adopt? For me, it's also a bit of a difficult question yes. because um, I'm not really sure if it has the same meaning, for example, in the Netherlands or how it's used in the Netherlands. I can explain a little bit how it's used in the Netherlands. I will go on, go on with that uh, because... This is a word, I mean, generally I would say also in the Netherlands, it's a word, a lot of different people <laughs> assign lots of different meanings towards the, this word. And maybe it's even also different between, maybe an American uh, has another definition of neoliberalism than someone in Netherlands, but even within the Netherlands, it seems like a lot of people mean different things with it. And this is also one of the reasons actually that we do not like the, the word because it's very confusing and in Netherlands is always used as uh, a negative word to frame an opponent so that makes it a bit of a different uh, a difficult word as I mean some people actually use the word to describe it as what you say as uh, people that that like the complete laissez-faire uh, way of economics um, and some use it to say the government should create markets everywhere. So that's actually very different to not not intervention of a not, or another role of the government. It's mm -hmm. actually a government uh, creating markets and constructing markets. So those are already two very different meanings of the word. And I just don't think we we need that word to to discuss some of the critiques on, on the market. Uh, so I don't see any benefit from a, from mm -hmm. a liberal perspective mm -hmm. to adopt a term that is so negatively charged and also very confusing, at least in the Netherlands, I think, in, in, in how it's used nowadays. Wonderful explanation. I'm, I'm, I was just I bringing I this up. You, because... I, sorry to interrupt, but I was wondering sure, yeah. how, 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 for example, in, in, in Portugal, uh, how they... What is the definition of that word over there? Fantastic. Then this is what we'll do. We'll have one podcast where you and I will go into <laughs> a little more of a description of neoliberalism and exactly uh, what are the negatively charged uh, concepts of it. This is just an aside, a very quick aside, but I've been reading a lot and studied a lot about neoliberalism. And therefore, I wanted our listeners to, when they go through this sentence where you, you uh, authors say, well, we're not inclined to adopt, now they'll understand better why that decision was made. But getting yeah. a, a more into the book now, uh, one of the sections, which is a really interesting one, it says the, the critiques of liberalism. And you, you, you do present yeah. 
a lot of them <laughs> and we're going to go into detail in mm -hmm. a couple of them which and i must say this is a, a a personal choice so i decided to go to a little more detail about a couple of them but because of that i would like you to give us a overview of this kind of uh, critique that you've been seeing in the media, in the academia, in the political world. How are those criticisms being made? Before we go into details, give us a little, then a little like a 10 foot mm -hmm. overview of the, yeah, yeah. of this particular topic. Well, as I said, one of the reasons we start, we started actually, we were motivated to write this book was we felt that in the past couple of years, there was a a rise of criticism on capitalism or free market or and I think you can also see it in terms of certain publications we have had of course uh, Piketty with his famous book from uh, 2013 uh, Capital in the 21st Century mm -hmm. we had Kate Warworth with her book in, uh, a couple of years ago with her book uh, Donut Economics in which she advocates for an economic model that stays within planetary boundaries. But also just if I looked in the Netherlands at newspapers or discussions in our parliament, you really felt a change in the past years in the public debate. So people spoke, for example, very negatively about multinationals or uh, big companies. Uh, the tone was generally just more mm -hmm. negative and about the wrongs of the market or the capitalist system or neoliberalism, as some critics, critics call it, as we discussed. <laughs> Looking at the future, um, it is my hope that if we can make some adjustments uh, in order to bring the market economy in line with the challenges of today and tomorrow, uh, such as with uh, climate change, uh, we advocate for proper international pricing of, of uh, pollution. I feel like the debate now, it's more about how to reform capitalism or how to reform markets. And I think uh, it is up to us liberals to come with with, with solutions that, that we prefer and like. And I hope then that people can be more approving of the market. Uh, again, because the market, you know, it, it has brought us a lot of uh, prosperity in the past decade. And it is the system mm -hmm. where individual choice is guaranteed. And in a complex society, we cannot... You know, it's not that a central planner can manage everything. And also we do not, as liberals, wish for it. So we really, uh, yeah, that's a bit of motivation, but also a bit the history of the, the discussion, I think, for the past couple of years. Follow up on that then. Then it is a fair criticism or there's a mix between a fair criticism and then just pure hysteria of a, a, a reactionary response now to more globalization, more trade, more flow of goods and, and flow of people. So do you see that this is a fair criticism that you responded to or you just wanted to clarify a couple of things for all the people that don't understand what they're talking about? No, I think, I think, I hope at least, <laughs> it's up to the reader, of course, but I hope that our, our book has a serious tone in in that it's it takes seriously the criticisms while not automatically mm -hmm. agreeing with everything or agreeing with with the way people then want to change things but uh, i think it's also up to us liberals to respond seriously to the critiques and not ignore it or only be like in a celebration of the market and not uh, also look with a critical mind because 
if you look with a critical mind, you can, at least it's my way of thinking, you can, you can um, think, think of ways to make it even better. I mean, some of the critiques, I think we say it's, it's we don't wholeheartedly agree with, and some of it mm-hmm. uh, we do. Uh, so I think it's a bit of a mix, and, and, and uh, the most important thing is, is what are then the, the liberal ways forward to do with these issues. Point. I was just thinking about the people that criticize capitalism and free market from their cell phones sitting on their uh, foreign cars, mm-hmm. <laughs> wearing foreign clothes, and they're like, oh, free market, it's a bad thing. Yes. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I feel like it's a bit big people actually don't realize so i mean not everyone in the world is well off but some people they are really well off and also thanks in part of because of the market economy and then it's very easy to criticize it when you're in such a position of prosperity actually so sometimes i yeah mm. you know what i mean it's actually what what you said so uh, let's get a lot a little more into detail now in our uh, last part of the podcast and again, I'm going to ask you to come back because maybe there will be a couple of critiques that you tell me, Ricardo, you didn't go into those ones in particular. I'll be like, oh, my bad. But you do present eight and, and very, very quickly uh, in one of them has to do with small and medium sized enterprises and ordinary people, the climate, as you already mentioned, too much concentration of power, uh, too much focus on short term profit. Uh, inequality, the fact that the government makes the rules or not, and then protection of vital interests, and finally the amorality of uh, the market, which sometimes it's considered mm-hmm. to be immoral, which is uh, an error. And I noticed that you guys brought that up on the publication very correctly. So, because people tend to give too much or Thanks. too less morality to a system that shouldn't have any morality at all. But let's focus then on uh, mm-hmm. the three in particular. And I made the challenge to Marsha that I can either present the three in a row and you can go into them. Or if you want, we can go individually in each one of them. So let's do a little bit of uh, role play here on the podcast on real time. So how do you want me to go through this? Do you want to give you the three at the same time or we go one each time? Maybe one by one, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> All right, so so listeners, this is this is how interactive we have on the podcast here. All right, concentration of power, lack of competition. This uh, I'm I'm citing your work now. Lack of competition leads to all kinds of negative consequences. It results in less freedom of choice for consumers and employees, and also it leads to growing inequality. Please talk about this because one of the things that we see and one of the critiques that we see is that sooner or later we'll just have one company that will provide us all the goods we need. It's a kind of a future dystopia Wally mm-hmm. movie. I'm very looking forward to have your take on this. I think maybe it's important to say how we view this as also a liberal issue because I think more generally speaking, I think liberals in the in the history mm-hmm. we never we never really liked too much of a concentration of power, so not with the state that has too much power over us, not with the church that has too much um, mm-hmm. power over us, not with some kind of uh, like aristocracy or that has a certain kind of power. 
but also then uh, we thought it's the same way of thinking in the market economy. So uh, we don't like it when a couple of companies dictate the field in the, in the same sense, because also it's just not, I mean, that is the whole way of th- thinking. That's why it's also called the free market for all. It's, it's about what is good for us, the, the, the consumers uh, and, and uh, a lack of competition is really not good for the, for the consumer also because it, uh, it leads to, to higher prices and less choices in, in goods and services, but also less choice, for example, in maybe where you can work or, or the, the standards that you and the, and the salaries that you, you get. So really vibrant, or how do you say, um, competition is, is, is really crucial and vital to, towards a well-functioning market economy. So uh, sometimes intervention is necessary to ensure that there is a healthy competition and that there are no barriers for too much barriers for new companies that want to compete with the giants so that is and i think also the eu is 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 more uh, aware of this now and has been doing more uh, in this so i i actually am welcoming um, of that very good point. I was going to bring that up with uh, particularly Margaret Verstager, the way that mm-hmm. she keeps warning that we're not going to take any monopolies here in the European Union. You guys should get ready. But yeah. like, an, an, another quick f- uh, follow-up, Marsha. I'm, we have so much things to talk to. I think we're going to have to do a two-part podcast. Yeah. But you do get into the four tech giants. And that is, I think, a very, very... Uh, correct and accurate critique, which is giants like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google just crush the the competition. They'll, and if the competition appears, it's nation, and then they'll just buy it. They'll be like, all right, we're going to take that one. <laughs> How much do you want? A billion? All right, there's a billion right there because we will just put everything under the same umbrella. So, Yeah, and, and, and I think also there was also in, within the EU that – some some ruling or whatever something like that that you know problem sometimes also is that amazon is i uh, if i'm correct both retailer retailer so selling its products online also manager of the platform for mm-hmm. third parties mm-hmm. and sometimes also is a bit of misuse then uh, that can arise uh, so it's also very important to guarantee the neutrality and, and openness of these platforms and True. You just give yeah. that example, uh, Google or Alphabet, it's another one where they're like, oh, well, just a way for people to go to our site, but then it will direct them someplace else. More and more it isn't. It's just self-contained inside uh, uh, Alphabet and Google. All right. Yeah. Go. And maybe also go uh, if I can refer to some work that will be coming out from the Telder Stichting soon, it's actually by my colleague. Mm. Wilbert Jan Derksen, I think you spoke to him one or two times already in the yes. podcast. Yeah, I think in a couple of weeks there will be uh, a publication on uh, liberal values and digi- digitalization <laughs> in Dutch, but who knows, maybe there can be some mm-hmm. English versions or papers coming from that. I will encourage <laughs> him to do so as a colleague. Um, and, and he also talks about the uh, tech giants and, and these kind of things. I had the pleasure to share a panel with him at Elf Idea Accelerator. Ah, nice. Please send him, send him my best. Um, let We have time for one more. Then I'm going to mm-hmm. drop free market and vital interest, which 
which is a shame because it's a very important one. <laughs> yeah. But I want to focus in on inequality, Marcia, because mm -hmm. I, I do understand the dangers of it at the society level. And you do mention Thomas Piketty, mm -hmm. and the fact that inequality is a self-reinforcing problem, slowing economic growth and leading to social disruption, which is the main topic that I wanted to talk to you about. And we see this kind of Elysium, again, another movie reference, kind of uh, process that we're getting into where the rich get really, really rich and then the poor get really, really poor. Mm -hmm. And this is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit then in the book, uh, the, the reflection you do about this in the way forward. Yeah, thanks for that question. This was actually a topic that I think Rulof mainly wrote about, but I can also say some things about it in a general way. First to say, as liberals, I think generally uh, we are not necessarily want to arrive all the time at equal outcomes. But I think the point we make is that we want to have fair opportunities and for everyone. I think also in the chapter we focus a bit on, on the Netherlands, so I'm, I'm thinking what would be most relevant uh, for this. But I think if you look at education, for example, it's sometimes actually a topic that is more in the Netherlands. You know, D66 is very much talking about education. The VVD sometimes does, but it's, I think, also uh, like all liberals, liberals should, we should be talking about uh, the importance of high quality education that is uh, accessible to, to everyone because that is really the, the foundation or the, mm -hmm. the starting point for each individual to make something of their lives. I really believe in that and if you have a good start in life I think that is, is very important. And let me interrupt you to say one of the uh, tenets that is in the foundations of liberalism uh, because from very, very early, I have a book which is called the Canon Book of Liberalism, which is done by our friends in Belgium, Liberas. And uh, reading it, I, mm -hmm. it's easy to understand that from early on in the liberalism school of thought was education, access, similarity, and uh, to provide the possibility of people to uh, do well in life and to gain their own freedom. So. And then also, I think another point we generally make is that we should lower taxes on labor, uh, things we actually do ourselves. We also make a point, for example, about inheritance uh, taxes. Mm -hmm. These are, to us, those are things that are actually income. We can see it through some people, we see that from the point of the person that gives, but actually it's more of an income uh, that you receive and then it's uh, to us it's strange that for example you pay, can almost pay 50% tax on income through uh, what you do every day if you go to work <laughs> and then at some point it's, it's like 10% on uh, through like inheritance tax so we advocate for a bit of a shift in the way of thinking how we tax things in general uh, so a little bit the yeah. liberal principle of also of uh sharing the wealth but rewarding success yeah exactly. it's a more of a social liberal tenet <laughs> that is true yeah well i mean sharing the wealth um in a sense of that we need to have you know a, a government has some core tasks to do and it needs to do that 
well and of course you need financing for for this uh, so of course we need uh, taxation we are not from mm-hmm. the position that it's uh, if someone is rich we have to be very negative about people that are rich and we have to hate them uh, sometimes as the left uh, uh, kind of seems to have like some intrinsic hate towards rich people. We, we do not. We are not really from this <laughs> school. Let's say. True. So maybe uh, it's it's not it's not uh, necessarily a bad thing if there are differences. But absolutely, yeah. absolutely. If you're successful, it's and and and, and it, it was born of your work, of your yeah. labor, of your idea, of your uh, initiative. Absolutely, yeah. I totally agree with you on that. Masha, this is an amazing conversation and time flies when we're having mm-hmm. fun. It's an old saying. So I just have a couple more minutes with you, but I'm going to ask you to come back to the podcast. We can continue on the book because, again, there were several critiques that were presented and some of them really, really interesting. But now I need you to tell our listeners, please, where they can follow the work done by Telder Stichting and also yourself if you want to give us your footprint online. And once the podcast podcast is published i'm going to put the link that goes directly into the book that will be uh, made available online on a pdf format so tell us where people can follow your work so for example if you want to follow the telder stichting of course you can go to our website but it's mostly written in in, in dutch uh, but our twitter handle it's uh, at telders tweet um, and you can also follow me personally on twitter it's just my first and my last name, at Maartje Schultz. Of course, as you said, uh, the publication Free Market for All, it's now on the website of, of ELF. So you can read it for free uh, over there. So that's where you can, can find us. And I hope we can uh, do lots of things with Stellar Stichting with, with ELF and also uh, gives us an opportunity to publish more, also in the form of like podcasts or papers or whatever uh, in English, so that more people also outside from the Netherlands can uh, can follow what we do. I'm going to put all the links on the podcast show notes. You should, dear listener, follow the work done by Telder Stichting and also by Marsha. And we're talking about other uh, members of the team that are doing fantastic work. But from now, I'm going to thank you so much for your time and so much for talking to me. And definitely, please uh, come back to the podcast so that we can continue this really, really interesting conversation. Yes. Thank you so much. I really had a good time. I'm back. Just reminded that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. And if you feel like it, give us a five star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now, as promised, let's talk about the future of Europe journal issue number two, Inflation Rising, assessing EU monetary policies in a post-COVID political economy. This time, this issue is edited by Dr. Juan Castañeda that I already had the pleasure to have on the podcast that is coming up soon. And he is from the Institute of International Monetary Research and also University of Buckingham. This issue goes into debate about changes in the organization of the monetary and banking union, independence of the ECB, and a comparative analysis on bailout policies. We also talk about the new rules to secure fiscal sustainability. If you want to know more about this publication, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash publications and look for the future of Europe journal. 
And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. This podcast is produced by the European Liberal Forum, co-founded by the European Parliament, and have the support of the social liberal movement Think Tank in Portugal and Liberty Foundation in Poland. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers alone, and these views do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.